the Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast. We'll help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey in helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Brew Pub. I'm your host, Michael Camp. We are the safe haven for anyone questioning their faith, ex-evangelicals, church burnouts, and especially people deconstructing evangelicalism and wanting to stay on the path of Jesus. Today, we are very fortunate to have Lacey Bean with us. Lacey is a trauma recovery coach and the host of the Deadly Faith podcast. Lacey, welcome to the Spiritual Brew Pub. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm really glad you could join us. We met in recently in Nashville, Mm -hmm. Tennessee at a conference called Awaken. Yes. Which was put on by our publisher. Yes. uh, My publisher. And it was amazing. I mean, that, that conference just kind of blew me away because... Agreed. You know, for me, it was because there was just a whole gamut of people from progressive Christians to atheists and everything in between. And we all had one thing in common. We were ex-evangelicals and Mm -hmm. we loved each other and was this great. We even though we disagreed on things, it didn't make any sense. (laughs) Exactly. It was I told my husband when I got home because I went by myself because we have kids and I was just like, that's going to be too crazy. So I went with a friend and it was very exciting because I came home and told him, there was such a camaraderie between everybody there so many different ages and so many different beliefs and opinions, but we held space for our differences. And I just love that because so many as so many of us have grown up in a place where if we voiced our differing opinions on anything theological or spiritual, we were outcasted or othered. And here those were welcome and actually like praised, even if it was differing from somebody else. I, I loved it. It was amazing. No, no, that's, that's very good way to put it. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was remarkable. Um, yeah. so I, I mean, I, I've had that experience with people, you know, like just interacting, engaging with people online and so forth or on my podcast, but never in person like that. So yes. that was very special and to meet everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyways, um, let's get started. We, we yeah. want to talk about your work. I mean, you are a, trauma recovery coach yes and you specialize in religious trauma correct and uh i want to hear more about that because i know yeah. that so many people struggle coming out of uh rigid legalistic yes. either evangelicalism or fundamentalism in some way mm-hmm. shape or form and they just they have all this trauma baggage that they carry with them yes I had so that much. for many years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you know you've gone through yeah, it. And, we all uh, do. Yeah. So uh, I mean, and it's sometimes outsiders don't have a you know have a hard time understanding it, but it's kind of yeah. like PTSD. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. So there is CPTSD, and then there's PTSD. So CPTSD is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. And the different difference between the two is complex is something that happens to you over time, and and it's consistent okay. over time. Post-traumatic stress disorder is like one event that caused you trauma. Um, So that's why like a lot of people coming back from war, it could go either way, but a lot of those have PTSD because it's one event in their life that has caused them this trauma or somebody who like grew up in 
evangelicalism and has trauma from religion or grew up being um, sexually abused as a child, then those would be more labeled as complex PTSD because it was um, systematic over a long period of time. Over a period of time, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that must have been what happened to me because (laughs) when I had my 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 beginning of my deconstruction, I was still in the evangelical church. I was actually a missionary yeah. in Africa. Wow. But totally. My I came back from the mission field and it's a long story, but you know, I was yeah. spiritually abused. There was all this crap going on. And oh, yeah. the counselors said, Oh, you have the first counselor said, Oh, you have PTSD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, What? I didn't go to Vietnam. What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's what most people say. <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's remarkable it's like uh different a different type but it's the same same initial thing uh, yeah the same on- core yeah in problem. all honesty it's kind of like splitting hairs it's the yeah it, it's, right it's it the same, still right. has the same symptoms <laughs> yes right yeah. so w- i thought we'd start with um you know having folks hear a little bit about your background uh what's your story what w- w- you know where did you come from in evangelicalism oh so it's kind of interesting because a lot of people that i have met within the deconstruction um community like they have a background of like growing up within religion like within a religious household and right. i do not i'm very different right. in that sense of my parents um believed in god but it was very much that like surface level um belief. And we would go to Baptist church. My dad grew up Baptist. Um, we lived in Texas. So that's very common down there. Yeah, If you're Texan, you have to go to church, right? You, yeah. You have to go to church and you have to go to a Baptist church. You know, that right. that's pretty well known. Right. And after, I think I was pretty young. I don't even think I had started kindergarten at this point. Um, and the church that we were going to is a Baptist church and the pastor had an affair with the secretary and they ran off together. Mm-hmm. And so they had to get a new pastor and they had to get a new secretary. And then the new pastor had an affair with the new secretary. Oh my and God. They ran off with each what other. They, was that part of the interview process? Or? <laughs> right. <laughs> and my dad, Do you like our secretary? Yeah. <laughs> right? Do you find them attractive? Um, so my dad made the comment that um, how can I follow a man or take advice from a man who can't keep his dick in his pants? And so yeah. after that, we stopped going to church. And this was all stuff that I was told as I got older because I was too young to even remember it. Right. But, you know, my parents grew up in that generation of like kids are seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. And they definitely gave us a better childhood than they had. But they were very ill-equipped to meet the emotional needs of Mm -hmm. their children. And that's common in that generation. And this is conversations that I have had with my parents. um, I've had that experience too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lucky in the sense that my parents would definitely admit that they, they were not there for us emotionally and they can understand that. Um, And so I threw myself into religion. All my friends were going to church and I was a young adolescent. And so I wanted to find purpose and, you know, it was my, uh, middle middle school years, which those are the worst years. <laughs> you're going through right. puberty. You're trying to find who you are in a sense. You're trying to make friends. There's so much drama. You don't. You can't make sense of the world. And I was trying to find purpose and just some kind of belonging. And so I threw myself into religion. Um, I would go to church with my friends very consistently Wednesdays, and then they would come pick us up on Sundays. And the older I got, the more and more devoted I would get to it. And then when I was in high school, my junior year of high school, I ended up stumbling across this ministry that they would meet on Saturday nights. And it was very different than anything that I had ever experienced. It was very Pentecostal in its right. belief system. I, you know, I told you before we started, it's the Heinz 57 of denominations because <laughs> they had a lot of fundamentalist beliefs at the same time of being very Pentecostal. Right. And so it was kind of just a mashup of like yeah. what they liked and, and kind of put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, if I interject a little bit, I was yeah. in a church like that and, and they probably think, well, we we're, we figured it all out, right? Exactly. Oh, all this great variety. Yes. And that's really the way we're supposed to do it. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny because I, I said it not too long ago to somebody that basically all of Christianity and all of Christian denominations are just appropriating from somebody else and some either another religion altogether or different denominations. And like, so they had, 
Pentecostalism within it and they had fundamentalism and they took a lot of their like we're in God's army and we're going to take over the world kind of thing from um, the IFB um, and what was it the was it the IF, IBLP you know like they took okay. some of their beliefs and so it was, it right. was a mash it was a very big mashup <laughs> but um, their Pentecostal beliefs and how the very being very very charismatic um, that was very appealing to me. And they made me feel like I had purpose because like, this is God's mission for your life. Right. You are called to this. You need to be sold out for Jesus. And, and you're, you're anointed. We can pray yes. for you and you'll be anointed. Right. Yes. All of, all of that stuff. Um, right. So I joined, um, I, I had, you know, definitely believed it was a ministry and for a long time, I was in it for five years, around five years. Um, graduated high school early so that I could go to college with all my friends who were also in the same ministry. Oh, wow. And uh, that's how I got into college was through the pastor. The job I had was um, through a connection within the ministry. The family I lived with at the time was a connection through the ministry. So my whole life was tied up uh, within this ministry. And then right as I uh, was getting involved in that, he was systematic, the pastor was systematically keeping me away from my family and causing division. Um, he would tell me that my parents didn't truly love me. Oh, um, wow. I tried to leave the ministry a few times and he would tell me that um, my parents and my family would not come to know Jesus and it would be my fault for leaving. If I left, they would never come to know Jesus. They would oh, end up in hell. Gosh. And There's I was like young. Threatening fear. Like, okay. Yes. Yeah. That's how and, they keep try to keep you in the church. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll just threaten that you're yeah. <laughs> you'll be, you're the eternity, de eternal destiny of your parents <laughs> is and, in your hands. And if you leave, oh, that's crazy. Yes. I mean, and imagine I, at this age was probably 18, 19. Oh yeah. Oldest. Right. And, and, and so you're like, like, you're not mature enough to really figure oh, out this no. guy's one full of bullshit. Right. Yeah. I was very, very um, just brainwashed and, and, and it, right. it worked. It worked. I stayed in for five years. Um, oh I gosh. started working. Um, it, this was in Texas and I, this ministry was in San Angelo, Texas. And so I was working in Dallas, Fort Worth area for the summer because mm -hmm. I was in college at the time for early childhood education and special education. And so I went down to, uh, or up to Dallas, Fort Worth area, and I was doing um, therapy with like autistic kids. And through that time of me being away, I was having car problems. And so I couldn't travel back every you know week or so for services. And so I got some perspective because I was able to have some distance from yes, them. Right. And my aunt very much wanted me out of that ministry. And so she was like, you should go to this church. And I went, I met my husband, I met his whole family. The more his family was learning about it, they were like, um, it sounds like a cult. Probably, <laughs> That's right? a cult. And I was like, yeah. no, it's not, it's not. Yeah. But they definitely opened my eyes to let me see that this was very unhealthy. Um, yeah. I was very much in love with my husband um, at the time. And so they helped me get out. Um, I left that's the end of that summer. I had one semester left of college and I was like, Nope, I can't do it. I, I'll get sucked back in if I go. So I quit college. I moved, um, moved down and, and like any good Christian, um, I had met my husband in June and we were married by October of that year. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. We, I, that's kind of like exact, you know, actually that's exactly what I, my wife and I, I think it yeah. was June and we were married in October. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I know. I tell everybody like, yes, no. I have an amazing marriage I, with my husband. We're yeah, great. Right. Don't, don't take my example for it though like yeah yeah right that, that was the uh you know we, we, we can't we can't have sex till marriage so let's just get it on you know Come yes. on, let's just move ahead <laughs> my sister who's not religious at all whatsoever she was like you're just getting married so you can have sex and i was like duh yeah right right, right <laughs> i know right. yeah yeah actually actually are you saying that you met in june and got married in october yes yeah okay I, mine was we met in like February or we start dating February and March engaged in June and then married in October. So we yeah. didn't take the fast track, the Lacey Bean fast track, yeah, but we were, all, we were close. We <laughs> met June 6th. We were oh my gosh. engaged by, I think mid August and then yeah. October 29th uh, was our wedding. So within I think four and a half months or so, is that what it is? Uh, right. Yeah, 
met, okay. engaged, and married. It was That's amazing. So, so let's just ask. Um, you know, it seems like you were. You, you know, you, you realized it was a cult. You yeah. Apparently, got into some other churches, but what? What, yeah. what got? What got you rethinking and deciding? I need to start deconstructing the whole so, thing, evangelicalism. Yeah. When I left that cult, um, it took me about two years to finally admit, like, okay, it was a cult. Um, and during that time, some of my beliefs had started changing, but because all I had ever known was Christianity and I married into a family that was still very devout Christians going to church on Sundays mm -hmm. and, you know, they led their whole life, um, by God. And so right. I kind of just, stepped into another form of not a cult. It was definitely just the same boat, just a little bit more free. Right. And yeah, well, that's what that's common. We we yeah. go down the street to we say, okay, that was an one off. Let's go find a better church yeah. down the street. Right. It was my comfort zone. And so I stayed right. in it. Yeah. My opinions on abortion and the LGBTQIA community um had started changing, but mm -hmm. I kept those opinions to myself because I knew yep. if I very common said yep. them, you know, I would get ousted. Yep. Now, fast forward through life, we've had three kids and we've moved around. Move in 2020, um, we moved to uh, South Idaho, my husband and I did. And this was the first time that we had moved away from family. Family was supposed to move with us um, a few months later, but through a series of events, nobody came with us. So it was just us there. So were you and in Boise? Right outside Boise. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Where yeah. were you? Uh, Caldwell was the, ta oh, the okay. town our, our yeah, uh, yeah. house was my, in. My daughter lived in Boise and actually my office, oh. my work at the time, we had a branch in Meridian. Oh, yeah. So my daughter, um, we lived in Caldwell, but she went to Boise um, district schools because they had a mask mandate. And so I drove her all the way to Boise so that she could yeah. be protected. But so in 2020, so summer of 2020, um, you know, it's that crazy time for the election. COVID has been you know, crazy. Um, BLM with George Floyd's death was, you know, happened around this time. And I, with the distance from family members, I was able to start seeing the inconsistencies with between what was being preached and what was being believed to how we would vote uh, as yeah, a, right. a Christian society. Agenda. Yeah, my brother's gay and I was on the phone with him and he him and my sister very much are democratic and they knew that, you know, as a Christian I voted Republican. So he asked me, are you going to vote for Trump? And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Why?" And I was like, "Well, I just think he's done a really good job as president." And he goes, "What has he done that's been really good?" And I couldn't answer him because I was just like just Yeah, you were just parroting what others had said exactly right. there's the word yeah. parroting i was just parroting everything right. that i had heard i hadn't done any research because right. honestly politics stressed me out so bad and i just didn't understand it and so instead of feeling stupid because i don't understand it i just ignored it yeah so he said you do know about his sexual assault allegations and it's like what are you talking about mm -hmm. and so he started sending me court documents and stuff because i was like i want to see this and when I started seeing the court documents and started hearing the narrative of, oh, it's just allegations, mm -hmm. I, as a sexual assault survivor, as a child, oh, okay, I could not not believe victims. Right. And in that moment, when I found that out, I knew that I could not vote for him. It literally went against everything I believe in and stood for to vote this man into office. Because I was like, this is not just one allegation. Like, this is multiple allegations. And like how how are we saying that this is a right. godly man and so with that i got on TikTok and just started consuming a lot of content political content christian content um deconstruction content it just kind of kept coming at me and before i knew it i was deconstructing my life was falling apart what um, year was this 2020 all of this happened are you talking about the 2020 election Yes. Not the 2016 election. No, no. This is okay. this is recent. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say, wait a minute. It's only yeah. 2023. You, yeah. You fast. I when I I went balls to the wall. I just like head first jumped right. into this. I also have ADHD, so like deconstructing was my hyper focus. Okay. All right. So yeah. 
Right. Um, Most of us have a little bit more of a slow process, but that, you know, that's good. You get out of it fast. That's great. Mine. And I think it was a slow process because if I, if I, if I'm honest, I was deconstructing ever since yeah. I left the ministry, right. you know, the cult. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It just was so little and over such a long time. It, it, it was like it was building. It was and then building the and then it comes to a head. And then mm -hmm. I get it. That's kind of what happened to me too. It comes right. to a head and then finally I like, that's it. I'm out of here. It exploded. It, it yeah. really did. Um, my husband was just in shock. And because I told him I wasn't going to uh, vote for Donald Trump and that I didn't consider myself a Republican anymore. And he did not know how to take that. He was, oh my gosh. Very, wow. it was, he would, he, he was not as bad as like what some people I have heard um, respond. And it's one of his biggest regrets. We talk about it all the, you know, not all the time, but he's mentioned it multiple times of, I should not have had the reaction that I did. But we've been able to look back and understand that he had the reaction he did because of the indoctrination. Within oh, he should not have had the reaction that he had, right? Yeah, he was yeah. like, you're just voting for somebody else yeah. that I don't agree with. That shouldn't have been that big of a reaction. Right, right. Yeah. And um, he did amazing when I was deconstructing because he held space for me and just let me go through this journey. He had my back, whether he agreed with me or didn't. Oh, he, really? He was very much just trying to be there for me, hold space for me while also in the back of his head, freaking out and hoping that this wasn't going to end our marriage. Or, so he wasn't or, deconstructing it like you were. No, no, he was not. Yeah. And so that was also very scary because I was like, I'm going to lose my marriage. And right. it was one of those things. And as you can probably relate to this, it's there's no turning back. You can't unlearn right. what you do. Oh, yeah. That's unsee. true. Right. The same situation. My <laughs> wife was not deconstructing mm -hmm. at all when I when I started. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard. I would go to the bathroom and I would just cry taking a shower. I'd sit in my closet and just like let myself cry and feel it oh, all. No. I was very much alone. I didn't have friends close by. Nobody understood what I was going through. Um, those that knew what was happening were saying that I was being led by the devil. Oh, and yeah. it was, it was just very, it was very hard. I ended up yeah. doing life coaching with um, Pastor Paul on TikTok. I don't know if you know who that is. No. Mm -mm. So I did life coaching with him and like six other people. And that it it like healed so many different parts of me. Cool. Now that and wasn't addressing religion though. That was just life coaching. That was just life coaching. Now religion yeah. had a um you know part in it just because of like what I was going through. And he would do one-on-one, mm -hmm. -on -one, you know, sessions throughout the I think we did it for like eight weeks or something like that. Maybe even yeah. longer. Might have been yeah. a bit longer. Um and just there were a few other people that were going through the same situation um, within our group. And so we would get to talk in, in group sessions and it was just very healing. It helped me really find my voice um, and just start me on the journey of finding my authentic self. And when I started that journey, I was like, you know what, I'm done feeling alone in this process. And so I was like, I'm going to start posting to TikTok. And so I made a TikTok video and about how Christians were annoying me because they were focusing on little Nasex's uh, Satan shoes and making a big deal about that instead of actually focusing on what, you know, big problems we have in the world. And I took that video and I posted it to Instagram and I posted it to Facebook because <laughs> I was like ripping off the bandaid. I want everybody to know I don't right. agree with you guys. Right. I voted for Joe Biden and right. I'm a raging feminist. So get over it. <laughs> get over it. Right. Yeah. And it it started from there it was very much out in the open um and it yeah, well, started yeah. i love your i love your videos oh, i mean I, I'm, I'm i'm look i'm watching the instagram ones and yes. you, yeah you have a really good uh way of delivery i mean you're just Thank like you. very personable and 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 funny it's just a little Thank subtle you. humor <laughs> in there and it's just it's great you know yeah. and, but, but you're being vulnerable you're being transparent you're saying it like it is and, and people like that. Yes. And that's like, you know, it started out as just somewhere I could share my story and what I was going through and people are commenting and being like, holy crap, I feel the same way I've been going through yes, this, you know, right. it's COVID. And so we're right. all like, 
why right. are Christians denying COVID or didn't, you know, not wanting yeah. to wear masks and like right. this goes against Jesus and just a place for us to vent about just the, the direction yeah. of Christianity and how it was right. going. Right. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. No, so go, we'll go ahead and finish your thought. I, it just started building from there, being able to um, have a community and, and right. realize I'm not alone. Like I may right. feel alone with my family, but I'm not right. alone. In so this it world. sounds like the, the life coaching and then, and then just the engaging with people on, on social mm -hmm. media and your videos was really a community rallied around you. Yeah. And it, that must have been how you finally got stable. I mean, it's like, okay. Was, yeah, I I was uh talking with more people. I had started going to therapy. Um I was also uh accepting that my ADHD diagnosis, I had kind of ignored it for a few years. Um I finally accepted it and accepted my neurodivergency and um got on some medication accepted that because of going through deconstruction, um, I was clinically depressed and yep. I actually yep. went on, um, medication for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I also, during this time went from being an anti-vaxxer to a pro-vaxxer. So, yep. oh, wow. I, okay. <laughs> yes, All right. I went from a Republican anti-vaxxer Christian to a pro-vaxxer democratic, you know, progressive Christian eventually becoming uh, an agnostic atheist. So, right. and all of that happened between summer of 2020 to when I finally said I was agnostic, I think was summer of 2022. So two years, within two years. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. That is a fast track. Fast track bad. deconstruction. Yeah. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> How to do so. it. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Well, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you're the, it sounds like you're the kind of person that's like, okay, once the dots connect, man, let's just go there. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm just kind of shocked at how fast you did it. I'm just like, yes. wow. That's and I had, you know, more. because did you ever have any times when you looked back and you go, well, you know, maybe I'm going too far, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, no, not that I ever thought I was going too far. Mm -hmm. I definitely had moments where I was scared of where it was going to head. Yeah. I was terrified in the beginning and and probably for the first year that I would get to a point where I considered myself some kind of atheist. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah. You, you, you fear. I, I call it that Bartophobia, by the way. Do you know what that oh, is? No, no. Oh, Bartophobia is the fear of becoming Bart, Bart Ehrman or Bart Campolo. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, that's funny. Bart, Bart well, yeah. became an agnostic. Bart Crampolo became an atheist, right? Oh it's that gosh, fear it's so and going yes. too far. And so you actually had that fear. And then you ended up becoming, you call mm -hmm. yourself an agnostic atheist. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's, it. I think the thing that really broke that open for me was being able to see through our different communities through social media and meeting people along the spectrum of spirituality or lack thereof and seeing that because somebody chooses to be religious or spiritual or somebody chooses to not be religious or not be spiritual does not affect who they are as a person whether they're a good person or a bad person right those yeah, are not you're, not you're not going, oh, you know what? I'm going to become an atheist and hey, what the heck? I'll become an axe murderer, too, because yeah. there's no right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and being able to see the group that I was tied to yeah. and how much they put their value on certain things that deemed somebody a good right. or a not good person. For example, right. my husband had a friend. I was close friends with um, this man's wife and he, my husband was close with the husband. So we were family friends. And after I started deconstructing and got, you know, really down this path, my husband, they went out dirt biking one day and the guy afterwards told my husband, uh, I really like you. I really like hanging out with you and I would love to continue, you know, a friendship, but I, I don't want our families together because I don't want my kids around your wife. Oh no, geez, that's crazy. Said that to my husband's yeah. face. Well, that's, and yeah. I didn't know about this until like yeah. uh, three months ago. He finally told me. Oh, I see. It's like wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the the 
the, the one of the things that I came to when I deconstructed it was I finally got to the point where I said, okay, let's let's end this 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 battle and fear of atheism. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is not this is not the the main thing. This is not what matters most, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so many Christians are just so hung up on it. Yeah. Right. You know, and Very much so. I'm not an atheist. I'm not an agnostic. I'm still, I mean, I, I still consider myself following the love ethic of Jesus. And I think there's yeah. something there, but I'm okay with doing it outside of Christianity. I'm, out, exactly. I'm okay yeah. with doing it and in a very non-religious, a spiritual, but not religious way. Yeah. So, I mean, that to me, that's what matters most. And, and, yeah. and, you know, atheism, agnosticism, like you said, it's not, it doesn't mean you're changing your core being. Uh, mm -hmm. you, and most, most of the people that I talk to who are in that category, you know, they have some kind of ethic. That's a good ethic right? Yeah, exactly. you know, for life, love humanity, exactly. whatever, mm -hmm. you know? So, so yeah, it's a, yeah. That's, that's an interesting phenomenon that people get so hung up on that, but, they but do. you know, I, I might disagree with people, but you know, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I, yeah. I care about how you live your life. Yeah. Right? yeah. And actually I think that's the, the, the way of the universalist way of Christ's teachings, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, I've told people like, if there is a God and he so desperately needs me to have an unwavering yes, I believe he is real or no, I don't believe he's real. If he desperately needs me to have that opinion, in order for me to get into heaven, then most, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, that's probably not a place I want to be Right. with somebody who's that, you know, finical about somebody's beliefs. Yeah, um, right. And so well, I was like, if God is who God is, and, and you believe that he's this loving person or this loving deity, then my choosing to live life by love and loving everybody and having open arms and trying to be a, a somebody who helps my community and love my children and be a good person, then he should be fine to let me into this heaven that he calls. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I think that's what he even taught that. I mean, exactly. You know, if you did it to the least of these, you've done it to mm -hmm. me. And they're like, well, when did we do it to you? It was like, uh, you know, so even C.S. Lewis has that, kind of a notion in one of his mm -hmm. books you yeah. know that, that there's there was this guy who was was worshiping the other the false god but he was a really good person and so he said well you know because of your goodness because of what you're you know how you lived your life you were actually that's where i was and so yeah. i accept you right yeah so mm -hmm. anyways um i wanted to ask you like yes. what what got you on this path? I, I need to become a, a religious trauma coach. What did you see? Yeah. What are the problems and needs that you saw? They said, I want to fill that need. So the first there was, again, Pastor Paul, he has a um, podcast and it's called, uh, is, it, is it still called that? I think it's called, um, oh my gosh, what is it? Even, I cannot think of what his podcast was called at this time. Right. I'll think of it, but well, um, when you think of it, we'll put it in the, the notes for the podcast. Yeah, there we go. Um, he was doing interviews and he had done an inter interview with Rev Carla. Um, and she's on TikTok if you don't know her. And mm -hmm. he let me listen to the podcast episode before it went up and I was listening to it and she starts talking about religious trauma. And I was like, what? That's a thing. And so it sent me on this major deep dive into religious trauma. And I had so many epiphanies of that's what I had been dealing with. Right. And realizing going to actual therapy that there are a lot of therapists, not all, but there are a lot that are not equipped to handle religious trauma because religious trauma and, and religion in itself is so taboo to talk about because it's something that has, is seen overall as something that's very good and positive in somebody's life. Right, right. But it's just in the last, you know, couple decades that we've really been like, hey, maybe this is traumatic. And it all started by a woman, um, Marlene Wynell. She mm -hmm. is a psychologist and she wrote the book Leaving the Fold. And she's actually the one who coined the, the term religious trauma syndrome, oh, RTS okay. for sure, short. Mm -hmm. And so I deep dived into her work um, and her research and just 
so much of it was ringing true. And I wanted to become at first a licensed therapist, but through my research found out that most of the time when you go through these, um, getting certified or licensed as a clinical psychologist, it is only per state. And we had moved around to so many states that it wasn't going to be something that I'd be able to carry with me. Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. state to state most likely. Um, and it, it just kind of depended, like it, it, it would short, it would um, diminish what kind of states I could live in or which mm-hmm. ones I couldn't, couldn't. Mm-hmm. And we knew we were probably not done moving. And so that just seemed very uh, fiscally irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with another fellow TikToker and uh, in the same community. And she was like, I think I would like to be some kind of trauma coach. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. So then that sent me to Google and I started Googling a bunch of stuff, ended up finding the um, International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching. And it is a program designed by a clinical psychologist. Oh, nice. And it is, she, she made it, she designed this program because she knew that there was a lack of clinical psychologists out there or therapists to help people process through their trauma. And there are different avenues of people dealing with trauma that that can recover or, or get healing and move forward in their life without having to be seen by a licensed professional. And so I ended up telling the other girl about the program, shared it with her, and we actually both went through the program together. Oh, okay. And we both became um How, how long was the program? Um, a semester. And so you have, mm-hmm. you, you get a, a broad understanding of trauma, how trauma mm-hmm. affects your body, yeah. um, uh, addictions and how that can affect it. Uh, our scope of practice, what we are and aren't allowed to do as um, therapists, the association even has like a board of ethics and our, right. our certification can get revoked at any time if we, you know, go against our you know, right. So, so what thing. about the religious trauma part of it? Was there a component in the training like that? No, um, there was not. Uh, and, and so I had to kind of dig into and make my connections, like understanding how trauma affects our body and then applying religious trauma aspects okay. to it. So the All religious right. part of it, I had to do even more research, which I'm still continuing my research on because it is such a new area that we're studying right. um, that it, it's just ongoing kind of thing. Yeah. maybe uh, Hopefully eventually there'll be a, a program mm-hmm. that covers religious trauma. Yeah. There actually is a, a, a place, I think it's called the Relig- uh, Religious Trauma Institute. Um, there's that. And then there's another one. And I can't think of the names at the moment, but they okay. have a couple like classes um, that I can purchase and learn more and more about religious trauma, which is on my to-do list. <laughs> so I can uh, keep just yeah, that's great. Yeah, bone up on it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, what are the m- most, the major uh, things, uh, um, trauma experiences that you, that people have religious trauma experiences that you deal with, that you, you know, focus on the yeah. most in your practice? Um, I would say if I had to like narrow it down to just a few, it would be, um, people pleasing identity and authentic self. And so people pleasing. So that's like mm-hmm. the addicted to approval yes. syndrome. Yes. yes. I had and, that. Right. And always doing something for somebody else or right. putting your needs aside in order to help. others. Right. And we see that a lot within, um, Christianity because you're, you know, God wants you to serve. Are you going to volunteer? Are you doing enough? Yes. Things like that. Yeah. So there's this, if you're not doing enough, you feel guilty. So you Mm -hmm. keep continuing. You can't say no. You're always jumping in. Mm -hmm. And and is it partly also uh, when I said addicted to approval, like you're trying to make a decision and you have to get someone else to kind of like give you the green light. Is it yes. that, that kind of a yes. thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even decision-making I have seen, and even within myself, decision-making is so hard because depending on the denomination of Christianity that you were you know, raised in or believed in, it there's that belief that y- your decision, if it's not led by God, could lead you down a path of destruction. And so there's right. this heavy weight yeah, on fear. just- Yeah, heavy mm-hmm. fear of- going down down the wrong path and there and it probably plays into it is these 
the belief in original depravity of humankind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So you're a depraved, terrible person without God. So if you yeah. make a decision without God, mm-hmm. then you're just acting on your, you know, your natural evil that you were born with or something. Exactly. Or you're in dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people get in these loops of am I hearing from God? Like, I feel like this is God, but is this just me? And then they make the decision and then something bad happens because life is not perfect and good and bad happen to everybody no matter what. But when that bad thing happens, they go to, oh, well, I must have made this decision outside of God's will. And so that's on me. Right. Or I must have done something to screw it up. And now Mm -hmm. God is not blessing me anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't pray enough or I didn't. Yeah. Right. mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. okay. All right. I relate to all this stuff. This is great. I'm getting, mm-hmm. I'm getting, uh, some, some yeah. coaching right here. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> so what else did I say? So people pleasing, um, what was the other one I said? Identity. You said three different things. I yes. Think. So people pleasing, um, identity and, uh, authentic self. So identity, um, their whole world is tied up within their beliefs, their religious beliefs. Um, they have, you know, that's where they find their purpose. That's where they have spent their life. That's their community. And Mm -hmm. like, you've probably seen when you step away from that, you lose so much, you lose friends, family, uh, relationships, like everything just starts crumbling. And because your whole identity was tied up within your religious beliefs, now you're left with the who the fuck am I? Yeah, who am I? I right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, this is yeah, this is excellent because that that's why so many people don't deconstruct. They're so yes. afraid of losing their identity. Plus, especially if you gain if you um your whole career is caught up into it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I have watched somebody with their entire career, a pastor of a church in the moments of deconstructing and his whole congregation is like Trump MAGA supporters. And he's having to walk through this knowing he's going to step away and just his whole world crumbling. And it is one of the hardest things that you can walk through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I I was just going to say, I went to get coffee one day when I lived in Idaho, I went to meet one of a girl that I'd met on TikTok. We went to go have coffee together. And when I went up to the front to get my coffee, there was a woman there and she so random she just leans over and goes are you here for the ex um, mormon meetup <laughs> and i said no but that's crazy you say that i'm actually here to meet somebody i met online we both deconstructed and yeah. like we just started talking right. and the lady said and i will never forget this she goes i have been through a divorce and the emotional and psychological pain oh. that i have gone through deconstructing and losing my faith yeah. is 10 times harder than the pain I went through divorcing. Wow. Myself. That's a, that's a really remarkable statement. Wow. Yeah. 10 and, times and, harder. Jeez. Yes. And I'm like, wow, I will never forget that. That's incredible. Never. No, yeah. it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so th- that's a big need. Now I have a sign behind me that says deconstructing evangelicalism support group. And yes, I started one in Seattle and every time we get together, it's just amazing. I mean, everyone, it's kind of like the little, a mini awaken conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But we have no real agenda except what do you want to talk about? Okay. Let's talk, let's deconstruct this, or let's talk about whatever, just some of the things that you brought up. So, um, people need that support. Yes. And basically that is my coaching, but with a knowledge of trauma and how trauma impacts our body and, being able to, you know, when they say, you know, such and such, I'm struggling with such and such right now, I can help them peel back the layers of like, what is this tied to? Where is this coming from? Is this stemming from a belief that you believed in that has caused you to believe yes. this about yourself? Right. And let's, let's unpack yeah. that. So you're going to get to the core mm-hmm. and then yes. unpack it and mm-hmm. help people see, okay, if mm-hmm. I, if I, if, if I de- identify this belief as harmful, then mm-hmm. I can, I can deconstruct it, change my way of thinking. And then now I w- I'm not going to feel so people pleasing or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's not like, um, I don't 
I, I don't say like, this is a belief you should have, or this is a belief you shouldn't have. I don't interject my own personal spiritual beliefs within right. our sessions. Do yeah. they know where I stand? Absolutely. I'm public on social media. Yeah. They're going to know where I stand. Right. I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to, you don't want to tell someone this is the way you should go. Cause that's exactly, that's mm -hmm. their experience in the back and the yes. past. That's been so controlling. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to hear that. That's not going to help. And one make of the core make up let people think for themselves exactly and, make up their own mind. and that's one of the biggest core things with trauma recovery coaching within our association is making our clients know and and feel as if to know they have the power to mm -hmm. make the decisions that they need deep down they know what they need to heal right. and move forward and right. so we reiterate that to our clients constantly how does that make you feel what do you want to do moving forward? What do you think would be best way? We can give our advice on, you know, here's some things you can do that may help. What what feels right to you? And we don't come up with a plan and be like, this is A, B, and C, what you need to do. We let them guide their own healing yeah, So you journey. give them some options, some ideas, some mm -hmm. things that have worked for other people and let them decide. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what was the third thing you had people pleasing identity? And what was the third thing? Authentic self. Oh, that's right. Authentic so, self. Mm -hmm. So many yeah. times, you know, like identity and authentic self, you know, that's kind of plays in, in one in the same. Um, finding your authentic self is being able to explore life outside of your religious beliefs or Christian yeah. circle and find what that means for you. For me, that meant purple hair and cussing <laughs> yeah there you go. a bunch right. of other stuff but right. it was just like this is me take it or leave it and right and i'm okay with that yeah um, right no that's, that's great that's yeah. journey. authentic that's self that's mm -hmm. that's excellent and and uh no it's it's all tied up together it's like mm -hmm. if you can't if you're if if you're being controlled by a religious system if your identity is completely tied up in it and you're always wanting them to approve everything you do and believe and and then mm -hmm. you don't, you're not yourself. You're just, you know, yep. you're just a sheep following some cult or some religious yeah. system. And if it's a very rigid, rigid one, then it's just going to be harmful yeah. to you. It's just, it's nothing good. It's going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I know a lot of people um, before they deconstruct, they, this is happening in their life, but they just don't see yeah. it. And yeah. so, you know, one and let me know what your experience is. Usually, something very painful or very emotional has to happen in their life before they go. Okay, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. You mm -hmm. know, right? Some and so, you know, what, yeah. Is that your experience? Yeah, I've noticed that where a lot of a lot of things were adding up for people for years, and it was just like one thing after another. Right. But it was they were if you took every single one of those things individually, they would be minor. And because life was the way it was, they could easily ignore those things. But I saw a huge change. And, and a lot of people, it's either one or the other, like there's definitely not everybody, but a good chunk of people, they either majorly started deconstructing in 2016 or in uh -huh. 2020. And it all stems from Trump and Politics, his election right. yep. mm -hmm. and, and people just being like, wait, you, this goes against everything I was taught. Right. And so then when that goes against everything I was taught, I start questioning all these other beliefs. And then you have the spike in, I honestly, TikTok is just a wealth of knowledge on so many different subjects. So you get on there and you're realizing, oh my God, that's not what that meant in the Bible. You, you mean that the, yeah, right. we're not supposed to take it literal. Like, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. And then it kind of at that moment just pff, explodes. And right. some people had the wherewithal to be able to to deconstruct in 2016 or and come to that, you know, breaking point. Mm -hmm. And then there are some people that didn't like for my myself 2020. 2016 was a horrible year for me and my family. Um I was pregnant. We a whole long story, but I ignored all social media and you know, besides if it didn't have to do with my little circle, I wasn't involved in it and right. I stuck my head in the sand. So, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, 
uh, for me and, and many people, uh, I, it wasn't necessarily politics, but it, politics is always part of it. Yeah. But it wasn't Trump necessarily because mm -hmm. I deconstructed way before Trump. But right. there's all these other things that can happen. And spiritual abuse is a big, huge thing. Yes. Like, and, yes. and just seeing the church just like abuse people and you don't necessarily see it until you maybe get into leadership or, you know, mm -hmm. or, or someone starts attacking you because whatever you're defending your, your gay son or lesbian mm -hmm. daughter or whatever. You know? Yeah. And so something like that is often uh, very common as well. Yes. And when you go through that and you're having to sit with it and try to process it, but then when you try to bring it up to other people, a lot of times the response is, well, it's not all churches. Well, it's not yeah, all. Right, right. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's not a, right. Those aren't true Christians. That It's not all yes. churches. And that's true. I mean, it, it, there's some some truth to that. But then when you go down to the, the church down the street and then they have a problem and then you go down to another one and they have a problem, mm -hmm. you start to see a pattern. Yeah. And so one of the things that I, and, and I was going to say this, my specialty, yeah. you talked about, you know, people understanding, well, the Bible actually doesn't say that, or that's mistranslated, or mm -hmm. that's misinterpreted, or you don't understand the Bible's culture, uh, yeah. or some other aspect of history. That's my specialty is like, okay, let's look at the history I love that. of how the Bible was compiled. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you figured out, if you knew how the Bible was compiled, you probably wouldn't believe in inerrancy anymore. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever when you learn mm -hmm. how the Bible was compiled. Because there yeah. were people well before they decided there was going to be a list of scriptures that were considered the divine list mm -hmm. uh, that did not believe. They believed all over the map, all kinds mm -hmm. of different scriptures. You know, yeah. it's just right. And and. People, even Jesus, in my, in my studies, I realized Jesus didn't believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he didn't and treat I, the Bible that way. No. And I think it's hard. I even have like somebody I know that when inerrancy went out the window for them and they learned the cultural and historical context to yeah. the Bible itself, yeah, their religion went out the window because they felt so lied to. Yeah. And, and that's the, that is the problem mm -hmm. that I see is that we're taught even even society teaches this mm -hmm. to look at the bible in black and white yep it's either all true and errant or not reliable at all mm -hmm. and it's like when you when you actually deconstruct it you realize some people like you said some people just well that's i've been taught black and white so if it's not yeah. true i'm out of here but then yeah. they don't realize that well you know that's a really silly way to look at a, a set of historical or records that claim to be historical. <laughs> Why don't you judge them each one and 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 judge each author and judge them in, in accordance to how people viewed them at the time that they were written. Yeah. And then you see that hey, it's just a set of books. We can find the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I tell people because I, I have a lot of people that will say, but aren't you just throwing the baby out with the bathwater? And I say, I compare it to so if somebody is in a very hard marriage and they're contemplating getting a divorce, right. a lot of the times they'll get go through a separation period. Right. And that period away from each other helps them come into a perspective and, clair and clarity of what do they want their relationship to look like moving forward. I have seen couples do this and they get back together. I've seen couples do this and they get divorced. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, it's just what is their situation and what does that look like? And that is yep. very similar to you deciding to step away from religion altogether and give yourself that time and space to heal and right. then come back with a more open mind, a more healed mm -hmm. mind and perspective and say, what do I want from this? Do I want this in my life? And if I do, what needs to change? What does right. this look like? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. it's, I, yeah. Everything I relate to. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, even in our marriage, we had that separation time and we came back oh, together, wow. but you know, it's, you have to do something like that to, yeah. to get perspective. So a couple yes. more questions. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is um, like one of the major or most dangerous beliefs or doctrines that people hold that, that basically pull them into be traumatized in their life oh, mm. to pick one is well so not hard. one let's just say you know give you a couple <laughs> okay. just name a few okay um 
definitely one of the ones that I think is like, if I'm talking about physically traumatized, would the belief of the whole spare the rod, spoil the child. Oh, right. Um, I have seen that time and time yeah. again um, on okay. a spectrum of abuse. Um, right. We actually are covering a case. Um, I do a podcast, Deadly Faith, like we talked about earlier. It's a true crime podcast and we cover religious crime. And yes. like that's cults that's and things like that. That's the Deadly Faith podcast, folks. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the cult that I we just recorded, um, the cult's teaching on spanking was, um, I'm going to, I don't know the exact verse. It was in Proverbs, but it was um, something along the lines of how uh, blows to a person is is good for them. And yeah. basically beating, not just making it retributive, physical yeah. violence. Yeah, that's all good for you. <laughs> it's all good. And seeing how many churches, denominations, communities um, affiliated to religion have weaponized that and how traumatizing it has been to multiple generations. Yeah, that, definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I talk about that in my my book, but that's oh, behind awesome. me, too. Yay! <laughs> right Breaking bad faith. Yeah, so there were, we're, that's one of the ba bad faith things to break, that idea that punitive, mm -hmm. retributive, even violent uh, uh, actions towards people is a good thing, good thing. to get mm -hmm. you back on the track or just to punish people for punishment's sake. That is not yeah. the the path of, of Jesus, that, as yeah. I make the case. So, yeah. Wells, anything else that you think of? Um, definitely the um, beliefs on the LGBTQIA community and yes. not understanding mm -hmm. or having an open mind to science. And with that comes the belief that the Bible is inerrant. Because yes. if you it's have- It's all tied up. Yep. It is, it all is tied up. And if you yep. have that belief that the Bible is inerrant, you don't have an open mind to accept factual science that is being no, done and right. research to validate, that yeah. is validating yeah. the experience of so many people here on earth. and. Right. It is so traumatizing. To yeah, so no, that's people. that's where I start in my deconstruction workshop. We say Love it starts it. with the Bible. Mm -hmm. If you can de deconstruct that one thing, the inerrancy of the Bible, that 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 solves a whole lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. And that's yeah. the one thing that I have a hard time um, having conversations with certain people um, in my life because they believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, and so they can they would say in one breath. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what to believe about the LGBTQIA community. But then, in yeah. the other breath, say, "But the Bible is very clear." Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. No. And actually, so, the Bible is not very clear no. because you're looking at it with your 21st century eyes at mm -hmm. a, a yep. an ancient document, ancient culture, and you're not. You don't know what's going on. No, no. <laughs> you don't no. know what they're really talking about. You're missing so, so much. <laughs> you're missing so much, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's that's very interesting. So you, yeah. you inerrancy, uh, retributive uh, narratives or actions, spanking in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, how about the doctrine of hell? Is that a big one? Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, and I like there's a book. I don't know if you have seen it yet. It's by um, Mark harris it's the mm -hmm. diabolical trinity um and mark is a licensed psychologist and he like breaks down how hell is traumatic to us mm -hmm. um and and like what is it it's right up here hold on it is healing religious trauma from a wrathful god tormenting hell and a sinful self and it's the diabolical trinity. oh wow that's cool okay and i recommend this to so many people because oh, yeah. it is a great place to start and i love that it's it's written by a licensed marriage and family therapist um out of california and he breaks it all down and how i mean that belief in itself can be so traumatic and it starts at such a young age all of the other stuff starts later in life that is one that started so young because when kids get saved they're literally being saved from going to hell so they're being taught that hell is this real place that they could burn for eternity eternity and um 
that's something I don't teach my kids. Absolutely not. Oh my gosh. And we had a neighborhood kid that came over not too long ago. And he starts talking about when Jesus comes back and the world's going to catch fire and this and that. Yeah. And my mother-in-law was like, we stop talking about that. We don't know. That's not going to happen. And she's like trying to get him to shut up. Yeah. Right. Right. She knows like, no, like that would traumatize my kids. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, it, yeah, I talk about that in my book too. The doctrine of hell. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just crazy that, Things that we teach, and even if you're not a hell's fire and brimstone preacher, so yeah. that, you know, if you go to some churches, that's all they preach, and they yep. really mm -hmm. out in the open. But even if you're not, it's there underneath. Oh yeah, I believe me. If you put, if you ask questions, you'll find it there, and they won't teach on it very often, but they'll teach on it. Every, you know, enough to let you know that hey, that is hell still there, folks. That's mm -hmm. real. You know, so it's it's still a pillar of their foundation. Yes. They've just wrapped it in glitter and fancy tool, but you don't so you yeah. don't see it as bad as you what don't it really see is. it as often, right? Unless until finally it comes out, right? Yeah, that's true. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. So, all right, that's good. We've got a lot of information here. Finally, what you know, what types of services and content do you offer? workshops, yeah. personal coaching, what, what do you do? So right now I'm offering personal coaching. So one hour sessions um, is mm -hmm. the normal air $75 a session, or I do bundles um, and you get a little bit off. Or if you buy a bundle of five sessions, you, one of those sessions is actually free. Um, and it always starts with a 30 minute consultation because I want to get to know the person. I want the person to get to know me. And that helps us both get a feel for like, if we want to work with each other, if we're the right mm -hmm. fit. Um, I have a, a scope of practice, which is religious trauma. And let's say somebody came to talk to me and they had religious trauma, but they also had um, miscarriage trauma. Miscarriage is not something that I've ever experienced. And so that's not something I could help them walk through because I don't have a personal connection to it. So what I would do then is go through our association and try to help them find somebody that would be better suited to work with them. Right. And I got so, you. Um, yeah. we always put the needs of the client right. before our need. Yeah. So you make sure time. there's a good fit there for you. And it sounds like you're, Absolutely. you're not, you're not pretending to be a therapist. You're, no. you're, you're, you're pointing people to therapists when they need them, but you're supplementing the work. of Yes. A Many of my clients have a therapist along with me yeah. as their coach. Okay. Now, there are, um, I do not work with anybody who's a minor. I'm not, I not right. allowed to do that. I also don't work with anybody who is um, in an active addiction. Uh, that's not, I'm not equipped to work with that. Yeah. And um, right. I don't work with people who are um, actively dealing with suicidal ideation. Um, if I was to work with a client and then through us coaching after a handful of times, it comes up that they are dealing mm -hmm. with suicidal ideation. We stop coaching at that moment. And we put in, we have emergency protocols at that point and an yep. emergency plan in place to help them uh, get established with a licensed care professional. Right. If the licensed care professional signs off on us continuing to work with them, we then can, right. but only if the licensed professional says yes. Um, and that's okay. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. That so, makes yeah, sense. We have yeah. So you're really, you're really careful to, to, to work with the right people and yes. not to go outside your expertise and, mm -hmm. and to realize, Hey, you know, other, and, yeah. and it's very key that you, there are, are therapists that are brought in to help the person when, when that's needed. And, yes. and you're not trying to take over that. <laughs> that no. ground. And we, we have paperwork that we fill out. We do yeah. um, emer not emergency, but um, safety risk assessments every so often to make sure that the, you know, where the client's at. So we're yeah. gauging that we take an intake form. We know what all the kinds of medication that the client is on. We don't do any diagnosing, um, but we mm -hmm. like to know what kind of medication they're on. Cause we do have a, um, a, an overall view and understanding of, um, psycho psychotropic medications so we know the side effects and so we can be aware of them and if we oh, notice yeah, something just be like right. hey i'm a little concerned i think you should go talk to your your doctor and right. see if, if this if something's related or if your medicine needs to be adjusted yeah. i'm not i'm not sure but i right my recommendation is to do a talk to your doctor right yeah. okay hey uh lacy this has been wonderful we ran yeah. out of time so Aww. thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. I think people yes, have gotten a you. real understanding of what a, uh, a trauma recovery coach is who specializes in religious trauma 
And yes. if, you know, if you need that service, go to Tracy. How do the people find you? Yeah. So you can find me at uh, LaceyBean.com. I have a website and you can really okay. pretty much find every link um, from there, but also on social media, it's Lacey underscore Bean. Um, I think on Instagram, it's like two underscores uh, and or something okay. like that, but it's pretty easy to find if, even if you LaceyBean.com and the Instagram yeah. Lacey underscore underscore bean yeah oh, you got to check out our videos folks they're thank really you good, <laughs> they're pretty much they're the same pretty much on both platforms I on both those. platforms okay. yeah all right they're the same yeah. right yeah. so that's and great one last thing if you don't mind yeah. i actually created a course for people who are deconstructing to understand the trauma that it causes yeah and i am working on getting that a course up and oh, going okay. so that it's available for people for free so it gives them nice. a good understanding of how this stuff has so affected that, so them. So you're going to have a free course to supplement what course. your what yeah. your professional work is, right? Yes, and I used to sell it, but I don't feel right on doing that. I want people right. to have access to it for free. So I'm working on that. So stay tuned. Find me on all. I will post it across all my social media and on my website once that is up and going. Right. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good, man. Thank you so Thank much you. again. Thank you for uh, having me on. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll have to compare notes more and. Uh, at, Absolutely. Uh, there'll be more information about about Lacey in the in the um, notes for this podcast uh, or on YouTube. So, folks, I uh, hope to see you next time uh, on the Spiritual Brew Pub, where we'll have we always have inter, uh, entertaining and uh, um, ex, uh, expert guests on a variety of topics that really help people deconstruct conservative Christianity and, and rebuild something that's uh, more historical and, and, and more beautiful. So yes. thanks again, Lacey. Yes, thank uh, you. Yeah, folks, uh, until next time, enjoy responsibly.